Hello, and welcome to episode 86 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, March 17th, 2022. Big. Thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. And happy St. Patrick's Day, Courtney. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I was kind of hoping you'd forget, and then I could work it in. (laughs) And then you walked in, and the corned beef is in the crock pot, and your hopes are all dashed. Right. I've been practicing Irish soda bread. Oh. Like, in advance? And now we're just sick of Irish soda bread. (laughs) Okay, so in advance. Yeah. I really like the one from Cook's Illustrated. The best recipe. Ooh. Yeah. Probably okay. because they finish with spreading melted butter on top. That's always good. I found one that had whiskey-soaked raisins, but I'll share that with you in the table. Cool. We will also have on the needles, on the easel, then on the table, and then on the nightstand. Yeah, so on the needles, still kind of high on the yarn fumes from Stitches West, although I have not had a chance to use any of my new yarn yet, which is... A little frustrating, but I'm so close, and I do have many finished objects so that I can use my new yarn. Ah, it's gonna be so good. Biggest news probably is that I finished Simon's Rick Rack sweater, officially known as Hide and Peak by Maxim Sear. If you wanted to give a little cheer of joy, you could. Hooray! <laughs> Thank you. This was in the Sugar Plum Circus Merino Sport in charcoal as the main color, with Elfaba, Starling, and Merlin's beard as the contrast colors. So it was a dark green, a bright green, and a light gray. And it seems to fit. It is definitely not a loose-fitting sweater. I still need to block it, but everything else works. And we got the sleeve length. It now has hems and does not show off his arms anymore. So we're very excited. But you had sleeve drama. Oh, I did have sleeve drama. I had blocked it out apparently. Yes. So I spent the weekend working on the second sleeve and got to the point where the When you get to the cuff, you are supposed to change to smaller needle sizes. And I went to do that and realized that I had knit the entire sleeve in the smaller needle size, which explained why the sleeves weren't quite matching up, which I thought was strange because I'm generally pretty careful when I'm doing my sleeves to use locking stitch markers so that I can keep track of my decreases and I transfer them from one sleeve to the other so there's less counting and I know that everything is going to match up. But it was still turning up a little bit short and I was measuring it and it seemed a little short, which was and frustrating. you had texted me like, like I would have an answer. <laughs> you know, you were like, I have two different size sleeves. Like, what? I don't know what's going on here. And I said, well, measure and count stitches? I don't know. <laughs> wrong yeah. person. Oh, no, I don't think I was... It wasn't a question. It was a yeah. statement. It yeah. was like, oh, this is what I did. And I figured it out. And I was, and it was Saturday when I realized that, like mid-afternoon. And I was so excited because I just had one last cuff to do. And then I'd be done. And Sunday, I could start my new project. And nope. So... And Courtney's like, well, then I guess he's going to have two different size sleeves. And I said, nope, I already ripped it out because looking at the two sleeves, I could see the difference. 
because it was two needle sizes. So it was definitely, yeah, yeah, it was definitely going to be tighter. I could see the difference in the fabric. Maybe Simon wouldn't have known and maybe no one else would have really noticed, but it would have annoyed me forever. And that was, that would be no good. I wanted it to be right. So, so I just ripped it out. I was like, I just, it has to be done. I've got to restart. And that's what I did. I was really careful, like, make sure making sure I had the right needle size this time, because I was not going to do it a third time. So yes, so then that, that took another two days of gray charcoal <laughs> knitting. There is a little bit of um, color work at the cuff, right before the cuff, so that's fun. It's a little, little treat before then you get, like, two and a half inches of one-by-one one ribbing. But it's a sleeve. It's like doing a sock. Um, so it's not too bad. But yeah, so it's finally done. Ends are woven in. It does need to be blocked still, so I need to do that. Uh, but I'm going away this weekend, so I don't think it's going to happen yet. I guess I could do it today, and then yeah, it's going it to take some time to dry because it's been we're under weather. some atmosphere. Yeah, but I've been knitting some other things. I did a little hat, a baby hat for a husband's coworker, and so I did the bikey beanie by Andrea Wrangle, which is in her Stitch Dictionary book. That's not the right name, but she only has one. So the book is mostly just stitch patterns, um, lots of textured ones, or color work stitch patterns. I'm making things up now, Um, but a lot of cute ones. And then at the end, there's a pattern, there's patterns to work, to use the stitch patterns. So there's like a cowl, there's a sweater, there's a cardigan, there's a hat. So it's just a really simple hat. The one in the book uses a bike, that's why it's called the bikey beanie, but obviously the point is to put your own stitch pattern in there, so I chose a robot, because I thought that was kind of cute, and I used some leftover yarn, so I had a bunch of Knitpicks DK Swish in Dusk, which is a lovely dark blue that I had used for a baby sweater earlier, and then ran out with like an inch left, so I had to buy a whole new skein, so I had a lot of this yarn left. Although I think they're only 50 gram skeins, so it wasn't quite as bad as it could have been, but perfect for doing a hat. And then I found some Neighborhood Fiber Company Studio DK in Ward Circle, which is a really bright blue. So it stood out very well against the dark blue of the rest of the hat. And the robots are super cute. The the pattern calls for you to align on above and below your cute stitch pattern. And I remembered to do it when I went below and then forgot to do it when I got to the end. But actually, I think it looks okay. It's, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to say it's fine. And it was a free hat, so they can't really get too upset about it, I don't think. But it turned out pretty cute. And, you know, took 30 seconds, more or less, to do. And then I finished a pair of socks that have been on the needles since, I think, last July. I didn't really write down when I started it. I think I finished a pair for my husband's that were kind of my on-the-go project, and then I just cast these on for myself just to have something for when I was out and about. And, you know, I wasn't going out and about very much, so they they didn't get a lot of work done, and then I got to the point where I needed to think about the heel. But then I got a bunch of work done on them, actually in my ergonomics class, because a lot of that was just listening at Stitches West. Then I finished them up at a track meet. My soccer player is now a track track, star. Track Track meets are really boring people. Oh my gosh, except for like 30 seconds when your kid is running. And it was cold because it's nighttime in San Francisco. 
in February or March, whatever month we are. Anyway, and then I ran out of sock. <laughs> so that was a little frustrating, I have to say. I don't know. I still had like two hours left of sitting there. <laughs> So I'm not quite sure what I was thinking. And as I was leaving the house, I was like, I should probably throw another ball of yarn in here so that I can start another sock. But I did not do that. So that was, that was sad. But so then the next morning. You need DoorDash for yarn. Oh, that would be beautiful. Somebody can have that idea and run with it. I don't care. Yeah, that would be amazing though. Oh my gosh. Emergency yarn need. And then I was going somewhere the next morning. So I had to finish off that sock. So, oh, we are going to get his, take his driver's test. So I knew I'd be sitting around for 15 minutes at least while he was doing the test. So I needed to finish that sock in the morning. I could start a new one. So I did that. So both of these socks. Mm -hmm. Aside, how did he do? He passed. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Whoever gets like perfect on their driver's test. A grown adult. I don't even but... know about that. The only thing he didn't know was where the, the headlights were. Oh, that's Because cute. it's on auto all the time. So. Right, right. Mine is too. Yeah, so he didn't know. But other than that, like, the guy even wrote, good drive. Great. Like, when does that happen? I don't know. So he was very excited. But so both of these socks are the Vanilla is the New Black sock pattern by Anna Fletcher. So the one that I finished is Mustache Yarns Perfect Sock Self-Striping in the colorway Sedated, as in I want to be sedated which is a fabulous song. So it's stripes of gray, kind of a gradient of gray, and then white with colored speckles. And they're very cute. And they fit really well. And I'm super excited about that. And then the pattern, so same pattern, cast on again, because now I kind of have the formula down. I think I remember how the heel works. We'll see what happens when I get to it. So I should be able to keep going, more or less, as long as I'm not in a place, as long as I am in a place where I can look at it for the heel because there are increases and I can't do that in the dark. But the yarn for this is Knitpicks Felici Fingering in the colorway Solstice, which is their new set of colors, or one of their new set of colors. Um, and this one is like a magenta and a couple shades of gray and a dark blue and I think a yellow maybe. It's a sort of odd combination of colors. It looked really good in the skein. It looks a little bit strange knit up, but Overall, it's cute and it keeps me busy. And I am again at the point where I need to do the heel. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna have to find some time to do that. As I said, I'm going away this weekend so I, and someone else is driving. So I think that might be the time to do the heel for a little, you know, hour, hour and a half car ride. So I think that'll be good. And then I sort of have started with some stitches yarn. I'm very excited. So I had I had wanted to, I'm completely behind the times. I decided I wanted to get on the, the mohair trend, which has been a trend for a while. So I'm not sure if it's still a trend or if it's just a thing, um, but you hold it together with a skein of fingering yarn and it gives your sweater, whatever you're making, a lovely halo. And you can kind of play with the colors because you've got the two strands of yarn held together. So. Yeah, it's so pretty. It makes it look really lofty and this added bit of texture. Yeah, I thought so, it was great. I yeah. think it's trending. <laughs> Courtney says. Um, so yeah, so I had gone into stitches thinking I wanted to make a love note sweater, which everybody has made. It's a tin can knits pattern and their patterns are always fabulous. So I figured that might be a good way to start. And it doesn't use much yarn because you knit it on giant needles or what I think of as giant needles, size 10. 
So that was very exciting. So I figured it'd be a quick win and their patterns are always very well written and easy to understand and come in lots of sizes. So that was yarn that I was specifically looking for at Stitches and I found it at the Apple Fiber Studio booth. I got a couple skeins of Macintosh, which is a Merino Nylon Alpaca blend, which I didn't really realize that it had the alpaca, but... I love alpaca. Yeah, that'll be an extra bit of nice. In the colorway Thistle, which the, I guess, owner, possibly Dyer, um, said was a new colorway for them. So it's kind of lavender and white and a little bit of dark purples as well. Did we tell the world that you bought all of the lavender... All of the purple yarn? I don't think we mentioned that. The first two days I was at Stitches, all of the yarn I bought was purple. <laughs> I didn't mean to do it, it just sort of happened. And I was looking, I was showing Courtney the stuff I had bought, because I some of it I bought when I wasn't with her. And I was looking, I was like, it is it is all purple. And even the rest of the time I was there, I... Grayish purple. Oh, yeah. Purplish gray. <laughs> gray with like a blue, purple, green gradient. I mean, it was a whole thing. I'm not sure what, what was going on there. They're all beautiful. They They're are. beautiful. Purple's a great color. I think it was color. a reaction to the colors that I was looking that for. That could which be. Are not, not in the same not family purple. at all. No, that blue is though. I could yeah, have come home with true. that blue. So this was part of the purple package. So the thistle is very lovely, and then I'm pairing it with a couple skeins of their delicious yarn, which is mohair and silk lace weight. And that is in the colorway Shadow, which is blackish purple. So I did, a, I did a swatch because I haven't knit with these yarns before, and I wanted to make sure I was at least getting close to gauge. <laughs> so I knew how to, you know, properly fiddle choose, with choose the pattern yeah get the right size and i'm happy to play with sizes and and mess with the gauge and and do things um do a little bit of math but yeah i wanted to know what i was working with so the it turned out really it's a nice looking swatch and the yarn is doing what i was hoping it would do the thistle the the fingering weight is pretty variegated with the white between the white and the purple it's so the the mohair silk is just a solid color so it kind of evens out the pooling and whatnot that the yarn is doing and then other than that, it's a provisional cast on. So I have done the provisional part of it, but I have not actually started knitting with the yarn. So hopefully that will happen today. I guess I can take it away on the weekend. It feels like it might be a little bit too much thinking needed at the beginning because you start off at the top with the yoke and then there's a, there's a lace pattern going on. So that might be too much for a girl's weekend, but we'll see. I'm brave. It's bold beautiful. It's and a beautiful sweater. Super excited to, yeah, to be working on that. I think it'll, I think it'll turn out nice. So fingers crossed. And uh, I mean, theoretically, I could even be done with it by next time, but we'll see. I'm making a face like, oh my gosh, it's only two skeins of each yarn, so I okay. can't take that long. I make, mean, I make a bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it shouldn't take that long yeah. for me, right? But we'll see. Right. I do have, you know, other things going on that take away from the knitting so sad life and i would say what's on the easel but you have knitting to talk about too i have knitting yay i have most importantly i have my knitting confidence back i think that that sweater the aforementioned seven eighth sweater that has been in a project bag for like 10 years now sapped me of my my knitting mojo However, 
right now I am in the middle, almost to the halfway point of Stephen West's Shawlography, which is his fall knit along project. And unlike Monica, I'm like, I just wrote down like, I have <laughs> navy and hot pink. Like I don't have the colored pedigrees ready for you yet, but we will get them in the show notes. Yeah. Most people aren't going to want to copy my colorway anyway, because it's pretty wild. I think that's the point of that's what. That's yeah, I think so too. That shawl. And it's It's fun. a Stephen West pattern. <laughs> hey, right. It's fun. It's keeping me very interested. It has lots of different stitch techniques. And if you listen last week, I do have two color brioche staring me down at some point here. I came home from stitches, immediately cast on, and I have been knitting... Wait, so what are all the colors? You have a dark oh, blue. Dark blue and an ochre, which is kind of a mustard color. And then I have a light speckled, like, turquoise teal blue. I have a chartreuse green, which is named after a green jay. What else is there? And then you brought in the pink. Yes. That so I have six one. colors. And then I, when I got back and had started knitting it and in his awesome YouTube tutorials, he says, well, if you've got extra yarn and you want to add a pop of color, now's a good time to do it. And I got to that section and I really wanted, Monica and I had picked up a really variegated skein of pink, but when I opened it up, it had lots of deep, purple and it was just a little too much for what was already a pretty busy palette and so I went down to imagine it and I bought another skein this is like right after stitches do you know how crazy I felt I bought another skein of fingering weight Malabrigo in fuchsia it is screaming loud in this color palette but it looks really fun and so I did the the trickiest part so far has been these um, these I-cord loops. I got all the way through the I-cord loops. I was so proud of myself, and I was starting off in the next section, and then I accidentally joined two of the I-cord loops together. I forgot to, like, do the yarn overs in between, which helps, like, suspend the stitches apart and makes it look loopy and full. It's very intriguing. Yeah, it's a crazy, it's some crazy business. But for me, I mean, there are a couple little mistakes here and there, like parts where I accidentally knitted instead of purled or what have you. Those mistakes I left, but I could not leave the two loops next to each other. It was really visible. As much as I am terrified of backing out, I just kind of did it one morning before I got too scared and fixed it and now I've moved inches past my mistake and I'm really glad that I fixed it. So I am flying along. It is, like I said before, it's it's an awesome project to have when there's construction at my house and I have like 30 minutes, 40 minutes before we're waiting for somebody to come or deliver something or move the cars or yada yada. So love having this on my sofa sitting next to me and yeah, and I have my confidence back. And now I want to go and knit that cardigan and do all the things. So that's what's been on my needles. And then I've also been painting, which feels amazing. It's Cheetah Week. 
and this is like nobody's cheetah week. It's my own cheetah week. <laughs> um, and I've been, I, I think that I have a little story brewing with some cheetahs. And so I've been, I guess what I'm doing are character studies and painting them in a sketchbook and different poses and how they move and run and interact with each other, like two cheetahs next to each other. I'm, I'm just not sure where it's going to go. And so I'm just letting the characters brew. And then I'm also back to painting some birds because I was driving one of my kids to school and there was that little bird note show on NPR. You know that? It's like a two minute like bird note and they they tell you one little bird story in two minutes. That's we it. must be driving at different times. I have never heard that. It's just a quickie on 91.7. Okay. I believe you. I like it because they're really whimsical little stories. And then it makes me think about that bird all day long because I am still fascinated with birds. So I've been painting those just as they come to me and listening to a little bit of the back catalog too. So that's what's on the easel. Okay. On the table, I made one of my New Year's resolutions for on the table. I did a gluten-free pie crust. My One of my goals, resolutions, whatever we want to call them, was to do gluten-free pie crust three times to start working on it, see if I could make it happen. So Courtney has her pie... I have that great pie cookbook. What's it called? <laughs> I don't know. Pie? You're pie the Bible? Pie. I think that's what it I've is. I've never actually seen it. It's yours. You just remember the titles of things so oh, much better. That's Given true. your librarian role, okay. I am the more whimsical oh, right. of this pair. So anyway, so she had told me that there was a gluten-free pie crust recipe in there. And it involved making your own flour mixture. And I said, no, there are professional companies that do that. I will just use my regular, you know, one-for-one gluten-free Bob's Red Mill flour mix, which worked fine. Pie Academy. It is a lovely cover. By Ken Hadrich. It is a monster cookbook. Yeah, that's a lot of pies. Um, oh, because Monday was March 14th, which is pie day, because 3.14. We're um, all about nerd things here. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> our, my kids, fourth, fifth teacher always celebrated pie day. So we would have like parents bring in pie and we would end up with there were like 33 kids in the class and we would end up with 20 pies. It was awesome. Bonkers and amazing. <laughs> and she still posts pictures of it. And one of my friends is a teacher at that school as well. And she was like, yeah, this one was really good. And I was like, ah, oh, I want to go back. Pie day. So I have to make my own pie. So I did the easy fresh strawberry pie, which is just cut up strawberries and strawberry jello and very classic. And I, Twice went to the store, both times forgot to get whipped cream. So we did not have any topping on it. It was still delicious. But the crust. So it was a very easy recipe. I mean, nothing goes, as you know, nothing goes into pie crust. And it worked well. She has you mix it in the food processor, then chill it in the fridge and roll it out. And it stayed together quite well. It was plenty of dough so I could get it rolled out and cover my nine inch slightly deep dish pie pan. So I was very pleased with that. I could even have gotten it a little thinner, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the difference was this. 
maybe this was part of my mixing it. Maybe I got the butter too mixed in because it was not flaky like a pie crust should be. It felt more like a shortbread. Ooh. Um, which was delicious. And so it tasted yeah. delicious. It had lots of butter in it. It was very tasty. And I asked all my people and everyone was happy with it. You know, it's a little hard to tell because it is covered in delicious strawberry business. <laughs> um, but, you know, you could get a part of the top crust. And yeah, and so it was It was good. It worked. It was easy. I was like, why have I not been making this? Because I was able to get it a little bit bigger, right? Then uh, the ones you get pre-made, frozen, are a little bit smaller. So I'm pretty excited about this. You can get greater quiches and whatnot if I, in theory, <laughs> continue to make my own. So I have... I'm looking forward to trying it again at some point and seeing what the, the flakiness issue is. I mean, it doesn't have gluten, so it yeah. it's just not really, I don't think, going to ever get super flaky. But I don't I don't know the science behind pie crust terribly well. And there might be something that you can add to it, like the gum xanthan. Yeah, but I think they use that in... Oh, in the, the mix. The yeah, mixes. that was why mm, okay. I, didn't, I didn't look, but they, I don't know. I mean, the idea is that it's work, it's supposed to work like regular flour. So, Also, cornstarch. I don't know if they make gluten-free cornstarch. They, they must. Do, yeah. But that's a tenderizer too, which would, which like a tablespoon of it w- mm. might make a big difference. Yeah. So we will see. Well. well report back. So that is one, one time check. Yeah. yeah. So I'm coming right along on my and my looked, goals for the year. It looked beautiful too. Oh, thanks. Anne. With your ladybug mug. Oh, so excited. Yes, that was that was one of the booths that I spent a lot of time in and did not oh, no, I did end up buying a birthday present there. But then I did not I got home and I wanted decided I wanted a ladybug mug from Jam PDX. And they're the ones that that uh, made my yarn coffee mug that has the rainbow colored yarn balls oh i love that mug. yeah so i painted that yeah so it's the same one same maker fun Um, so very cute and i mean strawberries for breakfast it's super healthy absolutely not even like you're having dessert so then i and i cannot take credit for this idea but i did want to say how successful it was while we're at stitches we were talking with a different friend who also really likes the mushroom shepherd's pie from Smitten Kitchen every day. We were talking about how frustrating mushrooms are because you have a whole big pile of them and they cook down to nothing. And then you're like, I had 50,000 tons of mushrooms. Why do I have a spoonful of dinner? So our friend put lentils into hers, like half and half or whatever. And I thought that was a fantastic idea. And it's a great recipe anyway, and I hadn't made it in a while. So I decided to try that. Happy to report that it was delicious. Everybody loved it. And it definitely felt like we had a little bit more. I did not have enough potatoes this time, so that was an issue. <laughs> and my my shopping is just it's been spectacular this past couple of weeks. But there was enough to, to cover it, and yeah, that is I think with the addition of the lentils, that's really gonna bring that back into the rotation. And the lentils give that give the mushrooms a staying power, yeah. you know, makes it a little more satisfying than just veg. Yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah, so that was good. And then I was doing a kind of a clean out the fridge stir fry night. So I had cabbage and sweet potatoes. 
<laughs> I was like, okay, we can make this work. This could be interesting. And so my plan had been to cube the sweet potatoes and bake them off. Did not remember to do that until like six o'clock at night because I'm thinking stir fry, right? Super fast. I don't need to get in the kitchen. <laughs> no. So what I ended up doing was microwaving the sweet potatoes because that only takes 10 minutes. Thanks, David Chang. Yes. So good. Except that then they were, it was like sweet potato puree, which was not the most attractive look. But then you had the crispy cabbage, which stays pretty crispy even once you stir fry it and the sauce. And my kid who does not like sweet potatoes actually said, hey, this is pretty good. It could have been the fact that he had also dumped a ton of the chili crisp on top, but he did notice that he liked it more. Hey, look at you so, improvising in the kitchen. I know. Very <laughs> exciting. So uh, that one I, I felt pretty pleased about. Yeah, I think I would still probably go with, if I remembered cubing them, sweet potato mush in a stir fry is a little bit strange. But yeah, flavor-wise, it was pretty delicious. So that's Excellent. what's on my table. How about you? Well, I was working on soda bread. My husband loves Irish soda bread and was kind of hinting around that it would be wonderful to have some soda bread this week. So I asked around after our last episode launched and I got so many recipes from people. Um, thank you guys. It was just really fun to get your family recipes in the inbox. The one that Charlotta sent was almost exactly like the one that was in my grandma's recipe book. And then the other one from Auntie Margot was just, it's just so cool to get these different recipes and see how similar they are. You know, there's not a ton of divergence and then you can kind of pick the ratio that you like best and try it. I had real success soaking the raisins in some Irish whiskey. It made them plump up. I love those golden raisins and I think it's really important to get the golden ones. I don't know why. It's a, it's a color visual thing for me. Yeah, no, that seems right. They did char a little bit. I don't know, know how to curb that. Yeah, I would have thought the soaking would help, unless it's I because the they're in whiskey that... Basically, my husband says, I took all of these different recipes that folks had sent me and that I looked up and blended together what I thought would be the tastiest version, including the whiskey-soaked raisins, and I, I basically turned out a whiskey-soaked raisin scone. <laughs> so... Back to the drawing board. I think I'm going to make one of the traditional recipes without so much butter and without so much. Oh, I was going to try it instead of with buttermilk, try it with yogurt and see Mm -hmm. if that changed the profile. So soda bread experiments. I also made for myself oatmeal banana walnut breakfast cookies, which I thought was just the best idea on Monday morning after the time change. Nobody else cared about this. Nobody else was around. I made them for myself and they were great. There's nothing in these. It's basically like a 
oatmeal in a bowl in cookie form. They're great out of the oven and great the first day or two, and then not so much because the banana browns and mm. they just lose some of their wonderfulness. I wouldn't but think they would last. It's just They me. wouldn't be around. Oh, it's just okay. Me. I could come help you. <laughs> I think they need a little bit of a... Tweaking. Tweaking. Okay. And then I made turkey enchiladas. Mm. I have really appreciated making a, like a two-night meal, you know, something that'll stretch given the chaos of my household right now. I should have taken that into account when making all of these soda bread recipes too. But anyway, the turkey enchiladas are a half-baked harvest recipe and it calls for pineapple and it was so good. It was so pineapple? different. Mm-hmm. Wow. I did them with ground turkey and you add all the seasonings and then you do like a part puree with some of the pineapple that makes the sauce for it all that you mm. stir in after your turkey is all browned off. And then I made a different enchilada sauce to pour on top and I made it way too spicy. Mm. I saw two cans of the chipotle in adobo sauce and it said two. Whoa! Um, I, the, I'm, <laughs> thankfully, I did not buy two cans. I thought to myself, that's Gosh, much. that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, but I wasn't really, I thought, oh, well, I'll just use half the can, which was still way too much. Oof. So I had to dilute that greatly. And it really helped that there was pineapple juice, which absolutely cut through. I mean, in the end, they were a little spicy, but nowhere near the damage that I could have inflicted. And oh, that's why sour cream was invented. Yes, that too. And then we had awesome turkey enchiladas for two days, and nobody complained about two days of turkey enchiladas. Why would you? Yeah. So that was good. And that's the only thing that's been on the table because the table is super dusty. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds pretty delicious, though. Thank you. All right, on the nightstand. So I'm kind of back on my audiobook kick. I found a few that are parts of series. Sticking with the mysteries for the audiobooks, that seems to work for me. And the first one is translated from the Japanese, so that uh, hits one of my goals for the year. So that was exciting. So this is called Silent Parade by Keigo Higashino. And it is, as I said, part of a series, the Detective Galileo. The detective is kind of a Hercule Poirot, Sherlock Holmes detective. He's actually a physics professor, but he has a buddy who's uh, inspector with the police force, and he ends up helping him with the mysteries. So this is actually the fourth book in the series, but someone had said it was really good and it didn't matter what order you read it in, so I just hopped right in. And I agree, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything. I don't know that there's like as much character development as there is, say, in the Inspector Gamash books. Like those, you kind of need to read in order. I feel like you miss out on a lot more if you don't. Anyway, so Silent Parade. There is a young woman who is about to launch her professional singing career, and she goes missing. Three years later, her body is found in a building that has just burnt down. And so the police are called in to investigate. It turns out there is a connection 
between the house and a man who was accused of killing a young girl 20 years ago, but he was found not guilty. And so the police are investigating him. And then there's twist. And then there's another twist. And then there's another (laughs) twist. So I will say at the beginning, I was a little bit not super into it. And I almost gave up on it. But I'd heard such good things about it. It's like, okay, I'll just keep listening for a little bit longer. And then I got to the twist and I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And I thought I had figured it out and I did not. So this was pretty cool. Uh, I enjoyed it. And I probably put some of the other ones on my list. It, it's not, at least to me, as grabbing as like the Inspector Gamache or the Town of French books. It's a little more background noise, but it was a good, fun mystery and I'm kind of interested to see what else they do with the, the physics professor character. And then it was really interesting, the, the Japanese legal system, their standard of evidence seems to be a little different. So that was kind of interesting to learn about. How so? This one really focused on your right to remain silent. People mm. were really leaning into that. The, the amount of circumstantial evidence that you would need to overcome not having a confession or, you know, any kind of direct evidence felt pretty different from what we can expect here. Yeah. So that was, that was interesting. Silent Parade by Keigo Higashino. And then the other one I listened to is Finley Donovan is Killing It by El Casimano. And I think she is a young adult author and this is her first adult book. So Finley Donovan is a newly single mom. She's a writer. Her ex is a jerk. She's having money money troubles. You know, she's got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, so that's just craziness in general. And she accidentally gets hired as a contract killer. Whoops. <laughs> and so it goes on from there. There are many shenanigans. There's a cute bartender slash law student. There's a cute cop. There's mysteries to be solved, and she's still trying to get out her next book. So this was... Again, not my mostest favorite book ever, but pretty cute. And I've already requested the second book in the series. I think maybe the third one is just about to come out. It's amusing. Parts of it were a little strange. Really, a lot of suspension of <laughs> belief is is necessary in this scenario, but pretty good. And a nice female friendship uh, relationship going on in it as well. So Finley Donovan is Killing It by El Casamano. And then I was big on the mysteries this time. This one is more of an adventure mystery. The girl who could move stuff with her mind, because we're, we're a clean speaking podcast by Jackson Ford. First in the series, Tegan is about, is in her early 20s and she can move things with her mind. And so she has been plucked by the government to be part of a super secret task force of various misfits with everybody else has more regular powers. They're hackers and, you know, used to be in the army kind of thing, but they have life issues. So the government kind of controls them. So in this one, they are trying to break into a corporate executives headquarters uh, to hack his computer because they think he's conspiring with Saudi Arabia to do something. The mission goes sideways. They get out is eventually, but it's eventually successful. And then they get out later that night, the guy they were hacking is murdered. And it's in a way that it looks like Tegan did it because it looks like telekinetic powers are are needed. And as far as she knows, she was the only person with those powers, but she didn't do it. So 
they have 22 hours to figure out who actually did it or the government's going to come in and take her away and do experiments on her. So she's invested. It's really cute. Spunky heroine. You know, I like those. Good group of characters. There's a guy she's interested in and she can't tell him what she's, you know, what her powers are, obviously. The thing that's really, it takes place in LA. It's very, it's, and I think slightly in the future, but it's a very kind of LA gritty driving on the freeway and little apartments and talking about the food scene. Um, she really, that's how she met her friend. They really both love food and she eventually wants to become a chef. So there's lots of good food talk in there as well. But the author is British. And every once in a while, they have a word in there that with the British spelling, and it drives me bonkers. The, like, like, color with an O-U. Yeah, or curb, K-E-R-B. Oh. Which, and then there was something, oh, though, I started the second one in um, Tyre, T-Y-R-E. I'm like, what? Like, how complicated, people, is it to fix the spelling for the American edition? I don't know. <laughs> Other than that, very amusing. A little bit violent, but not too bad. Mostly action adventure and super fun. What kind, without spoiling, what kinds of stuff can she move with her mind? Like coffee cups or like up to mini coopers? Up to 300 pounds. Okay. So she can kind of sense things where things are. So, so like she can undo locks because she can move the mechanism with her ah, mind. And okay. then like they're going in there, they're going to put something on the cable wire that goes into the guy's computer, but they can do it up in inside like the ceiling where a person couldn't get in, but she can just put the thingy up okay. there with her mind. So yeah. Um, but she can't move anything organic. So no plants, she can't move people, things hmm. like that. Food, she can't move, but she could use a spatula with her mind to move, to pick up the food kind of thing. Oh. So there are tricky I things. I like it when there are rules to this kind of a... Yes. Mm, that's helpful. Yeah. So there's a thing where like they're falling out of a, <laughs> they fall out of a window. Well, they jump, but she can't move people. So she has to figure out how to slow their fall mm. without moving anything organic. So I guess like cotton clothing probably couldn't be moved either. Mm. Cause cotton the plant. So yes, there are rules to this. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I've already started the second one on that. I think again, the third book just came out, so it's not a very long. And that one I'm actually reading. I'm not listening to. And then The Heiress Effect by Courtney Milan, because I needed something delightful. This is, I think, the second book in the series, but it's a romance, so you can read it in any order. It doesn't really matter. Jane Fairfield is an heiress. Lots of money, but she does not want to get married, but she needs to appear that she is trying to get married because her younger sister has a year and a half left before she can get away from her guardian who is not, he has issues. So the way she's trying to accomplish this is by when she goes out into society, she's just too much of everything. She is too loud. She is, her clothing is too bright. There's too many extras. And she does all this to counter the heiress effect where it doesn't really matter how anything you are, if you've got a hundred thousand pounds, men will be like, yes, I will marry you. So she is making herself so awful that no one will want <laughs> to be, want to marry her, but they can't really say that she's doing it on purpose. So it's a very fine balance. Oliver Marshall is the illegitimate son of a Duke and he's trying to get into politics. And he sees that behind all of her too muchness is maybe some compensation and that she's really smart 
And so there are many shenanigans and there's some really lovely scenes between them. There's a nice sister relationship. There's a lot of funny scenes in there as well. I don't know that this was her best book. Some of the, the plotting seemed a little bit off and too jumpy, but uh, it was delightful. I like Courtney Milan's books very much and uh, they, they're a cute couple. And so hopefully all everything worked out for them. I don't know. I do. It's a romance. We know how it, we know how it ends. Um, and then finally, Moon Witch Spider King by Marlon James, which is the sequel to Black Leopard, Red Wolf, Red Wolf, Black Leopard. Anyway, yeah, one of this them. was a dude. Did you, uh, did you finish that one? No, you couldn't get through it. Yeah. There, his writing is really problematic for me. He is very fond of violence and strong language. Less so in this one than the other one. And I didn't read his seven brief history of seven killings. Yeah, we still have it on the bookshelf if yeah. you like it. Okay, so I did enjoy the first one in the series. So this, so the first one is this guy, Tracker, who can track anything over any amount of time and distance. Once he gets a scent, he will not lose it until he finds whatever he was looking for. So he is looking for, he's like on a quest to find a missing kid who turns out is a missing king. He's got a crew, you know, it's a whole quest thing. So this one is told from the viewpoint of the moon witch who was on that quest with him. But it starts off, it gives her whole backstory. And really, it's a 600-page book, and maybe the last 150 is the the quest part of it. Whole different viewpoint. Fascinating. I love this one so much. That's awesome. It was really cool. And I think there's supposed to be a third one. So I'm very interested to see what he's going to do with that. Still pretty violent, Not maybe not quite as much. And it's based on kind of the culture of Western African, I think, like Ghana. So that's a whole interesting, different culture from and high fantasy. There's lots of magic and creatures. And yeah, so I really liked it. It's definitely not going to be a book for everyone, but I'm, I'm giving it a thumbs up. Two thumbs up, really. So, but lots of, oh, lots of words. Whew. 600 pages and tiny writing and you got to read them all. So that one took a while. But okay. Really good. All right. How about you? I have three murder mysteries, and that was an accident. <laughs> I started off with Cloudland, which is an older book that was on the bookshelf. I don't know if I picked it up from one of the library sales ages ago, but I had run out of books from the library and so turned to this one. It's by Joseph Olshan, and it's like a Vermont crime drama. It has like a Wilkie Collins thread, which it's been, I think I've read like a short, either a short novella by Wilkie Collins or just short stories. And now I kind of want to go back and reread or read a couple of his novels that they were referencing in this book. Anyhow, we have a rash of killings in rural Vermont and everybody is freaking out about it because it's rural Vermont and that kind of thing doesn't happen in our town kind of admonishments and there is an English literature teacher who sees or she's a former literature teacher and she sees the connection between the murders and Wilkie Collins but now her day job is writing the remedies for like a 
newspaper, you know, like the, the Heloise, you know, those things like, oh, in order to get out grass stains, try this. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just this weird kind of mix, mix of things going on. And she has an ex-lover who reappears. And I, I felt like there was the police side of it and they were trying to solve it. And then there's this woman who's trying to figure out, and she discovered one of the bodies actually. She's trying to figure out who done it. And they've got a psychic calling in. It just had all of the, it had all of the elements plus, you know, rural Vermont town. So that was Cloudland. It was, I mean, I wanted to finish it. It held my interest, but I don't know that it's one people are going to seek out. Then I listened to Local Woman Missing. This was an audiobook that I grabbed by Mary Kubica. And this one was, it was basically a Lifetime Channel movie, whodunit, murder mystery. And while it was a little bit cringy in the beginning, I really liked most of the characters. It did open with infidelity and I thought, ooh, this is not gonna, I'm not gonna, I don't want to stick around for this. But that was just like one little sliver and then it was so not what the rest of the book was about. I So I'm not a crime genre person and sometimes I can figure it out, but it's like, it's that's not why I'm reading those books. I know some people really like to sleuth their way through it and maybe maybe other people would have seen this one coming. I did not. I was totally, in fact, when it all started to unfold, I was just like wrapped listening <laughs> to it. So that's kind of high praise, I think, even though it yeah. started out a little bit Lifetime Channel-ish. I don't really try and figure it out. I mean, I sort of think about it, but I'm also like, I'm here for the mystery. Why am I going to try and ruin the ending for myself? Right, right. Yeah, and I, I have similar feelings about the Paris apartment, the new Lucy Foley. And this is about two siblings who had a weirdly complicated childhood. Maybe it didn't need to be so complicated. And then they spend time apart and as mid to late 20s she the the sister jess goes to paris to visit her brother ben and ben isn't there but she is able to get into his apartment which turns out to be this fabulous paris apartment mm. building and she can't figure out how he landed this awesome pad and then there's a host of other characters in the building. And therein lies the mystery and sort of the problem is that there's so much going on. You kind of, I kind of had a hard time knowing where to focus. Is it the same setup as her past two where you know someone's dead, but you don't know who, and then it's all the different viewpoints? It sounds a little different. Yeah, it, it is more like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Monica just succinctly reviewed the book that she, <laughs> that I read that she hasn't read yet. Uh, no big deal. Well, no, it's, it's a setup. And then she works within that framework. Yeah, I wasn't thinking of it like that. But I loved the one that took place, the wedding, the wedding guest or something. On the island, yeah. Um, on that remote. Because I think 
what was really successful with that one was the sense of place. Mm. And this one, the apartment building definitely has a little bit of a gothic characterization. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted, I mean, you're in Paris. Yeah. I wanted more Paris. Mm. And maybe that wasn't the point, but that's what I wanted. If you're going to set it in Paris, you might as well do Paris. Right. Because it kind of, except for a language barrier, it could have been anywhere. Right. Hmm. However, maybe not. Eh. Well, she's lent me the book, so you will hear my reviews. And then it will sound totally different from mine, as they (laughs) often do. At least I will have remembered that you read this book, and that's where (laughs) I got it from. Right. So Book of the Month Club, which has is an ongoing gift to me from my household has gone from five selections a month to seven selections a month. And I was so excited because sometimes I, I, I often skip if there, I want historical fiction or super interesting nonfiction. Sometimes it doesn't fall into those categories. And so when Monica and I were up in Sacramento, I had my seven choices and we kind of agreed that we would both read the new Lucy (laughs) Foley. So that's what we're doing. Thanks, Book of the Month, for not sponsoring or anything. Yeah. We would be open to doing. We would be open to that. Yeah. Okay, that's it. That's pretty fun. Lots of mysteries. So if you guys wanted mystery recommendations, there you go. Yeah. We've got like six of them. Weird. Plus a romance and a super violent fantasy. So <laughs> if you're here for the literature, this was not your week. Yeah, sorry. Come back next time. We'll we'll get there. So it's just kind of a, a normal. It's a normal regular... Thursday morning. Yeah. Cool. All right. So until next time, make sure to do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as Craft Cook Read Repeat or Courtney SF, that's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.